I was the only black male physician in my program. And so, you know, one of the things that I constantly was made aware of is the certain biases that exist when we take care of patients. It's just something that innately that I see. Welcome to the No More Reasonable Doubt podcast. In season two of this podcast, it's made to help black professionals start passion projects so they can expand their impact in the world and at work. In each episode, you can expect an interview with a black professional who has a nine to five just like you. And they've also launched a passion project into this world. You'll also get episodes with specific topics and lessons to help you move that passion project forward. I'm your host and fellow passion project starter, Mike Ambassador Bruni. Let's start the show. Welcome to another episode of No More Reasonable Doubt, the podcast. Today, our special guest is Aubrey Grant. Welcome to the show, Aubrey. Glad to be here, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And right away, we're going to jump right in it. The, the people want to know, what do you do for full-time work? So my nine to five, as you would say, um, is I'm a general cardiologist by training. I'm currently a second year general cardiology fellow at uh, Georgetown University and MedStar Washington Hospital Center. Um, I'm really interested in preventative cardiology um, and advanced cardiac imaging. Um, you know, I really got into medicine to um, address healthcare disparities. Unfortunately, cardiovascular disease is, is the number one killer of Black Americans in this country, even to this day. And so uh, cardiology uh, was an easy choice for me. Excellent. Now, what is your purpose or passion project and how long has it been in existence? Yeah, so <clears throat> my passion project specifically um, is using uh, virtual reality in order to address uh, several inequities that exist in the healthcare field, specifically uh, tackling implicit bias. Um, so implicit bias is uh, something, you know, just as it says, it's implicit. It's something that we don't think that we necessarily always um, are subject to, but, you know, everyone has their own biases. Uh, unfortunately, in this country, um, health inequities, uh, health disparities continue to be super pervasive. Um, and one of those things that continues to perpetuate it is this implicit bias. So, you know, oftentimes as clinicians, we have underlying biases, you know, just from being members of society. Um, and a lot of research and studies have shown that these biases can have a real uh, and dramatic impact on how we take care of patients and particularly outcomes. And so, you know, there's a lot of data that suggests that implicit bias is a bad thing, uh, but there's not a lot of data that shows what can we actually do about it. Um, and so in that space, I was really you know, uh, hoping to use technology um, and innovative technology in that uh, in order to create a mechanism and a tool um, and a module in order to help train uh, clinicians such as myself um, in order to address their biases on an everyday basis so that we can work at those healthcare inequities that are so pervasive. Is this something that is currently monetized or something you plan to monetize? 
definitely plan to monetize <laughs> it. it it's, <laughs> it's something that's in the works. You know, we're putting in a lot of work. Um, and there's just there's a uh, there's a space here that I believe to do a lot of good um, and also, uh, you know, have some personal gain to it from from a financial aspect as well. You know, I think it's something positive that I really want to put into the world. Um, and I truly believe in its power and impact in order to like I said, address the healthcare disparities. Um, and at the same time, I think it's a way that we can make money too. Perfect. So now, you know, w- the time we're speaking, uh, Aubrey, this is, this is, we're still in the pandemic. And during this time, I, I have a, a, a now six-year-old, soon to be seven. So we got, a chan- we got a chance to spend a lot of time watching all of the Avenger movies. And okay. my point in saying that is what I've learned is that every superhero, every super project has an origin story. What's the origin story of, of your project? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, so, um, so like I mentioned, I'm a general cardiology fellow at Georgetown. Uh, so I do my day job currently is cardiology. But before this, uh, I was actually I went through internal medicine residency residency at Emory University. Um, and while at Emory, I love Emory uh, specifically because I got to do a bulk of my training at Grady Memorial Hospital. Uh, if you know anything about Atlanta, then you know Grady Hospital. It's really the heartbeat of the city. Um, it's where a lot of uh, people of color come to get their care. It's one of the largest safety net hospitals uh, in the city. Um, and it's just an amazing place to train um, and to take care of patients. Um, and while I was there, um, unfortunately, in this country, uh, only about 2% of uh, physicians are black male Americans. Um, And so, as you can imagine, in my class of, you know, say 30 or so uh, resident physicians, I was the only uh, black male physician in my program. Um, And so, you know, one of the things that I constantly uh, was uh, made aware of is, you know, the certain biases that exist when we take care of patients. It's just something that innately that I see, um, you know, because of my upbringing, because of how I was raised, um, and because of the way that I look at the world. Um, and so, you know, I saw this bias, and I saw the bias even in myself, you know, even, even as a, a Black American physician, I saw that even myself, I had own biases that I needed to work at and address every single day. And so, you know, as a resident physician, we have to give a senior grand rounds. Um, and so I gave my senior grand rounds on implicit bias. And I did all this research. And I, you know, I, I looked so deep into the topic. And I read every article on the subject. And everyone talked about how this is such a bad thing, you know, bias, it's bias, it's so rough, and it's really affecting our patients. But there was nothing in the literature about, you know, what we can actually do. And you know, what sort of technologies are available, uh, so that we can address our biases on a day to day basis. And so, <clears throat> and, you know, I was talking talking to one of my friends about this and we were just shooting the breeze, chopping it up. And then she actually mentioned that she had a friend that was doing something with virtual reality. And then the light bulb clicked. And just like that, the idea came about that maybe we can use virtual reality technology in order to create scenarios for physicians where physicians can then put themselves in the shoes of the patient. Uh, So for example, if I'm a, a white physician working in the emergency department, 
this virtual rea reality technology will allow me uh, to pretend to be perhaps maybe a black woman coming uh, with pain um, and to be able to see and you know develop that bit of empathy about what it's like to present to the hospital as a, as a person of color um, and so the idea just sort of took off from there um, uh, you know one of the uh, big things that I've done and one of the kind of saving graces that uh, has really helped the project uh, continue to grow is that I surrounded myself with a team of amazing individuals uh, that really help to keep and breathe life into the project. Uh, so I have a technologist that we work with. Uh, we have, you know, a wonderful uh, person that really helps to coordinate everyone and continue to uh, brainstorm. And then we have, you know, another person who has some legal experience to help uh, do some of the literature review and kind of uh, make sure all the everything else is really tidy. And so we have a really strong brain trust. Um, and, you know, we, we're continuing to push forward so now with with the use of the vr yeah um does it work both ways uh is it one you can go in so i have my goggles on right exactly i go in and now i can experience what it is like to be someone who i am not yeah so that's the goal you okay know? so <clears throat> You know, there's there's this famous story. I'm not sure if you had if you've seen it, but there's a HBO documentary where Serena Williams uh, dictates her experience uh, navigating the healthcare field when she was pregnant, um, and she documents how you know this is Serena Williams, one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the uh, richest athletes of all time, um, someone who has extreme amount of uh, social agency. Um, but even her, she had a difficult time getting her physicians to listen to her. You know, she was saying she was short of breath. She has a history of pulmonary embolism, but even so, the doctors weren't necessarily listening to her, um, you know, as someone who was truly in tune with her body. Ultimately, she unfortunately, from the documentary, she exposed that she did have pulmonary embolisms um, and she was able to get the right treatment in that amount of time. But there are, I've seen firsthand so many occasions where people of color may come to the hospital um, and because of bias or because of other reasons, you know, they might not be, uh, they might not get the immediate attention that uh, they might not necessarily deserve. And, you know, the one key point that I want to make is, you know, this this thing about bias, we're talking about, this is implicit bias. It's not necessarily explicit bias, you know, the things that are outright um, or in front of us, but this is the things that are deeply seated inside of us just because, you know, we're, we're a part of society. And so this unspoken uh, bias is what we really want to get after with this VR experience. Does the VR also, does it also do the kind of like the reverse where you go in and you go in as, you, you, as yourself? And, and, and in the earlier um, example that, that, you, that you use, now you go in as yourself. Let's, so let's pretend like I'm a, a white female physician. Sure. I go in as myself and then a black woman comes in. Mm. And, and, and in the VR, in, in that virtual reality, are we able to monitor like, the decisions that I made as this physician or it's like, no, that's not really the idea. <laughs> no, I mean, so we have, so we're still developing the, the protocols and the scenarios. Um, and that's not one that we have currently developed, but that, I mean, that's an amazing idea, right? I mean, I think, you know, the, the point of what, uh, I think one of the main cruxes that I want to get at is that we're using innovation, um, and technology and VR and, 
to address this inequity. And I think the the there's so many endless opportunities or endless uh, practical ways that we can apply this um, in order to address health disparities. And I want to explore all of those. Um, and so that's that's a wonderful suggestion. Thank you for that. Um, is there a point where you hesitated to get started? Absolutely. And what got you uh, over the hump? The, the, the other parts, and what got you over the hump? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, so as you can imagine, I, I work, I work all the time. I mean, seven to seven, uh, multiple days, you know, usually only a couple of days off a month. Um, my schedule is hectic. It's crazy. A lot of times I'm working nights, you know, I pick up extra shifts too, in order to make some extra money on the side. Uh, and so my, my work schedule is busy. It's super demanding as you can imagine. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I, I do a lot of critical care medicine too. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's stressful and it wears you down and, you know, dealing with the high intensity, uh, of the job, you know, oftentimes when you get home, you don't want to work on your side project or you don't want to kind of do this extra thing on top of it you just want to get in that bed and, <laughs> and put on your favorite show and and eat something good and chill out you know but um like i said so i i and one of the best things that i could have ever done was i lined myself with amazing smart people um so uh you know i like i i have people the, the people in my group are I, I trust them you know wholeheartedly um and their brains are wonderful i love the way they think uh we are all communicating all the time um and we're all sort of aligned with this main goal that we all really want to see innovation uh used as a modality to address health inequities um and that's the underlying fa uh, fire that uh, aligns all of us and adjoins all of us. Um, and because of that, you know, there's also a sense that I don't want to let these people down. You know, there's mm. people on this team that we've assembled. I don't want to let them down. You know, and I grew up, I'm, I'm a sports guy. I played soccer in college, you know, other sports growing up. And I love being on a team, you know, and, and that team spirit uh, is what continues to, to fuel us. When I don't have the energy, uh, someone else is always there to, to pick up the ball. Or, you know, when I'm feeling super motivated, I'm able to, to bring the group along. Um, and we all have certain roles that uh, we have to identify in this team in order to move us forward. And uh, having clearly identified roles um, and surrounding myself with amazingly smart people, uh, it's sort of the best thing I've, I've done in, in this project. Aubrey, there is someone who is listening at this point and they're like, I got it. I need to get me a super smart team. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and like something I've experienced, something I've experienced in my life is is sometimes we need the tactical. How did you get that? Talk, talk to us about, talk to us about, um, because you mentioned, hey, I shared it with, with one of my friends. Talk to me about connecting the, line, the dots to get a super smart team in, in, in your case. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one thing about this idea is I feel so strongly about it. I'm not scared to say it in loud rooms. You know, I'm not scared to talk about this anywhere that I go. You know, so you know, I'm a fellow at Georgetown. I talk about this to all my attendings, you know, the people that I work with on a daily basis. And I'm always looking to make that connection. Who who can I talk to and get them excited about this project? so we can continue to have momentum. Maybe we can get some more institutional support to get a little bit more funding. Maybe if I talk to this right person, uh, I can get you know more excitement and we can continue to move the ball because I think every day is sort of an opportunity 
to move that needle forward. You know, this project we've been working on for almost a year and a half now, and, you know, we're still slowly but surely turning the ball, turning the ball in every day. Like I said, you know, you, you talk with one person, you send this one email, you, you get the group together, you, you're messaging in the Slack group and, it, you know, every, every chance is an opportunity. And I think having uh, feeling passionate enough about something where you can scream it from the top of your lungs in loud in rooms with smart people and, and feeling and still being able to being comfortable saying, uh, you know, I believe in this uh, and I stand by this. And this is something that I'm truly passionate about. And the one thing that I've also noticed, too, is when people see your passion, uh, they want to get behind you. You know, if they see that you're well read on the subject, if they see that you know what you're talking about and they see and they can feel your energy, uh, that energy is contagious um, and, and it, it's quickly spreads. Thank you for that. You, you've, you've, um, I'm sure you have just mobilized a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. Love to. So you talked about your schedule and how crazy it is and extra shifts. How did you find or make time for your project? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the one thing that I will say um, is I am a, a Google Calendar nerd. Everything goes on the calendar, you know, uh, wake up on the calendar, breakfast on the calendar, your workouts are on the calendar um, and everything gets a time and a space. There's only 24 hours in a day. Trust me, I wish there were more. I, I would stretch it out if I could, but there are only 24 hours. Um, and, you know, as someone who works hard, I also love to sleep, too. So I get at least six hours every day because I know if I don't sleep, I'm not my best. Um, so you, you take out the six hours um, that you do for sleep. You know, you, you put your workout in your meals and then you only have a set amount of time. And so you really have to be uh, extremely efficient with with how you are spending your time, not wasting much time, uh, you know, <clears throat> One thing about me is I love to cook, right? Uh, but I found that I spend a lot of time in the grocery store. Uh, so I ended up having to just do Instacart um, in order to get a little bit, take back more of my time so I can use that time more efficiently. Um, and once you uh, sort of step back from your life and reevaluate how you're actually spending every minute and every hour of the day, you look up, you might, hey, here's a little bit more time. I found a little more time here. Uh, one thing, a funny story I'll tell you is that at Grady Hospital, uh, the hospital in Atlanta at Emory that I used to work at, the elevators were awful. Uh, it's just the worst things ever. You know, the, you wait 15 minutes on an elevator um, just to, you know, go up to, you know, the 10th floor or something. Uh, but what I found is instead of just sitting there, you know, flicking through Instagram, I could write a couple emails out while I was waiting for the elevator. And so what I would use that time waiting on elevators to kind of draft my emails out to people that I was trying to network with. So, you know, maximizing your time um, and, and, but then also in the same breath, not feeling stressed where you know you have to do everything uh, all at once there are plenty of days where I say I can't do it and I just don't got it um, and and I'm okay with that um, because I know the next day uh, I would wake up and, and want to get after it so time is one thing and you, you touched on this next this next question I'm gonna ask you uh, a little bit time is one thing energy is another <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and actually you just actually you just touched on it too because um, I think you also provided us like, listen, today ain't the day. Like, <laughs> you know, we live to fight another day. Exactly, um, exactly. What can you share with 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 the listeners about how you got energy to do to do the things that you have to do? Yeah. You got the time down. I see. Google, you know, Google Calendar's got you good. I, I love the way you, you share about like, hey, 
man, I see a place where I'm wasting some time and yep. then you did something about it. Yep. Talk to me about energy. I mean, energy is a is one of the most important commodities that we will have. I mean, your money and your energy, that's that's it right there. I mean, those are the two commodities that, you know, are are not infinite. And I, I totally I, I, I mean, I, it's it's a real struggle for me at times. Um, one thing that I'm really intentional about is I take days off for sure. Uh, when I get a day off and I get, uh, you know, some time, I break. Um, and, you know, I, I don't let anybody get in the way of my, my self-care, you know. Whatever it is for you, whether it's taking a bath, maybe it's going to the gym, playing ball, you know, watching a good show. I definitely take time to break because, I mean, that restores you. And you are only as good as the energy that you can bring the next day, um, for sure. Uh, one thing that I'm really intentional about, too, is scheduling my vacations, man. I, I try to get away uh, whenever I can. You know, COVID has made that difficult. Um, but before that, you know, I was I was really, really intentional about scheduling weekend trips away, uh, spending time with family, you know, that sort of thing, because that is uh, kind of the fuel that, that really tries to restore you. Aubrey, where does that awareness come from? <laughs> well, right. like fit, trial and error and, and, <laughs> and failing at things and not being able to do it all you know one thing i will tell you the story so you know when i was growing up my i used to want to do it all man like i so i i played soccer in high school i played basketball in high school i played baseball in high school um i, I played the trumpet and i also tried to do sport and i what i learned is you know, you try to do all these things and you end up doing a bunch of things half-assed, you know, excuse my language, but you end up being mediocre at all these things. Um, but you really have to uh, focus on the things that you really, really want to be great at, uh, what you really, really want to be great at. I don't know if you ever read the book, uh, Good to Great, um, but it's, it's an excellent read and it's one that I truly recommend. Uh, but it really talks about how companies uh, make that jump from being good companies to being great companies. Um, and one of the, the key points they talk about is, you know, finding a, a spot in the market where you can be great at. Um, instead of trying to be good at a lot of different things, it's being great at this one thing and really focusing on that um, and spending your time and effort uh, in order to be great at that one thing. And that, that's one thing I learned in life. And that took a lot of trial and effort for me. And, uh, you know, just getting older um, and, and learning what works for you. Uh, and this uh, seems to work for me. Thanks for that, Aubrey. Yeah. So th the next question I have for you is, how has your purpose or passion project impacted your nine to five mm, yeah so um so i like i said i'm a cardiologist by training and the reason why i do any of this at all is because i care deeply about black people uh, that's it uh, point blank. I care deeply about my community. Um, I, I care deeply about the patients that I take care of. Um, and, you know, it, it matters to me, uh, my patients, uh, the people, that's what means the most. You know, I, I love the science. I love the physiology. I love the anatomy. All of that is excellent. But at the end of the day, it's just the people. Um, and it's that connection that's, that inspires me every day. And the thing about this passion project is I know that it will help the people. 
people. Um, I know in my heart and my, I, I, I feel so strongly that this is a tool that we can use to help the people. Uh, we always talk about health disparities. We talk about health inequities. We talk about this, you know, even with COVID, we talk about disparaging mortalities and all these sort of things. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of talking about it. And, and without sort of, uh, you know, doing something. Uh, yes, uh, you know, as a clinician, we do things and we take care of patients. We try our best. We do our damnedest. But I really, really, really think this is an innovative way that we can step outside the boundaries um, and 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 take care of our patients. Uh, you know, and address something that uh, has such a negative impact on, on patient outcomes. And so this passion project really is fueled by, you know, the reason why I went to become a doctor to begin with. Um, and so it's all sort of full circle for me. So there is someone right now who's gotten to this point uh, listening, but they're still on the fence with whatever their purpose or passion project is. What is it? that you have learned along your journey that you, the only way you could have learned this is because you've gone through it. Like there's no way at the beginning you could have said, here's my piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Right. But now that you are at a certain stage, what would you say to someone who's, who, who's on the fence? Yeah. Yeah. So how, you know, one thing that I, I think of that a lesson that I have learned in this project um, is <clears throat> um you have to sort of take things in sort of bite-sized chunks um, in order to continue to progress towards your goal. Uh, so this project of virtual reality using innovation, it's really never been done before. Um, so there's a lot of people that I've talked to about this and you know they're like, oh, that sounds expensive. Oh, I don't know how we're gonna get this done. I don't know, I don't know. There's a, I've heard a lot of, of no's and a lot of uh, people questioning it. Um, but I, I know deep down that, that this is something that, that's going to be good and i know that <clears throat> this is this will help me leave my lasting mark in taking care of patients and, and addressing those health inequities and so <clears throat> one thing that i've learned is every day even though you you might have heard no the day before you take a little bit of a small step forward the next day uh you continue you send that one email you do that one little thing you keep taking bites small little bites and small little bites and after a while you've made a lot of progress um i think when i first took on this undertaking i was like oh this will be something that i can do in a couple months and you know hopefully we can see some results and it wasn't like that that wasn't the case and it's still not the case it's something that we're still actively working on every single day um in order to make progress um, but keeping that perspective and and you know keeping the end goal in mind um, while still slowly taking off chunks every single day is is a mindset that i've had to develop but i think has been critical along this this journey are there any books or resources that you have found helpful that you would like to share with the people, maybe one, you know, one to three, if, if something comes to yeah, mind. Well, the, the one that comes to mind is Good to Great. Um, that's an excellent book. Um, and actually, <laughs> I read that book. One of my, uh, I'm, a, I'm in a fraternity myself, Alpha, Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, and one of my uh, profiles passed that along to me uh, shortly after I, I crossed. And that has been, I mean, it's, it's an excellent book. Uh, you know, it talks about how companies 
can go from <clears throat> mediocre to extraordinary, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, rules and there's a lot of sort of tips that are in that book that you can extrapolate to uh, personal growth and personal development uh, in order to, you know, take not only uh, whatever you're doing um, from, you know, pretty good to extraordinary. Uh, so I, I couldn't recommend uh, that book anymore. It's It's been excellent. Um, and then another thing, not not really a book, but uh, one thing that I can't stress enough is just talk to people uh, because there's so many times that, you know, I mentioned this idea uh, and someone says, well, why don't you talk to this person and I'll get an, uh, another really good idea or, you know, why don't you mention to this person and, you know, I'll, I'll really get, you know, uh, I'll look at things from a different perspective. And so I, that has been really, really influential for me is, is getting a lot of different perspectives on this topic in order to uh, really think thoughtfully about the idea. Thank you for that. So at this stage, where, and if this exists, where can people learn more about you and the dope work that you're, <laughs> that you're doing? Where, where should we send them? Yeah, I mean, so I'm on all sorts of social media. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm, also, I'm also a blogger for the American Heart Association. So, I, you know, there's uh, tons of blogs that I've written uh, about bias, about COVID, about health inequity, about, you know, vaccines. All that stuff is on the American Heart Association blog. Um, I also want to give a little bit of, I also, in, uh, one of my passion projects is uh, food blogging as well. So I have a food blog called The Doctor's Orders, uh, where I am frequently updating certain recipes and stuff. But, you know, any form of social media, uh, is, you can catch me there too. Excellent. Should they, is it just your name? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my, on Instagram is AJ Grant. Um, and then on, on, uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Aubrey J. Grant, MD. Excellent. Well, we make sure we'll we'll be sure to put the put that in the uh, in the show Perfect. notes so that the people can uh, connect connect love with it, you. Love it, love it, love it. And um, I and on behalf of No More Reasonable Doubt, we are very happy that you you said yes to come on our show and share your story and excited about the work that you're doing to make this this world a better place. And Mike, I love what you're doing, man. This podcast is, is an awesome opportunity for people to showcase all of the wonderful thing. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think, uh, to your point, I mean, as, as, as black people, as people of color, we don't realize all the amazing things that, uh, our colleagues, our friends, our loved ones are doing. So, you know, I applaud you for, for taking on this endeavor. This is wonderful, man. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode and found tremendous value in it. If so, don't keep it a secret. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, our handle, No More Reasonable Doubt. Every so often, I create a free resource to help you take your purpose or passion from a dream to an actual project. You can always find that resource at nomoreasonabledoubt.com forward slash free gift. This is Mike Ambassador Bruni for No More Reasonable Doubt. Remember, some dreams stay dreams, some dreams come true. It's on you.